Good morning, church. Good morning. Good morning. Um, how are, how's everybody doing today? How are you feeling? Um, you know, uh, it's uh, you know one of the one of the things that we all we need to be mindful of uh, because we do have brothers and sisters in Christ on the the phone that can't see our faces. Is uh, they can also get an impression of of how we're feeling by the tone of voice, right? You know, the uh, when I think about, uh, I was, the other day I was thinking about how difficult it would be if you were blind. Mm. Well, if you were blind, it would just mean that uh, some of your other senses would uh, be mo that much more sharper. Right. Uh, but what if you were blind and deaf? Mm. Um, then again, the, the senses that you know, were available to you would be that much sharper. I say all that to say this, is that, um, you know, how do you feel? And how you feel, I mean, I'm not talking about, you know, how you feel, feel, but I mean, how you feel on the inside. Mm -hmm. You know, how does your soul feel today? Mm -hmm. um, is, your, is your soul, you know, encompassed in a case of joy or is it encompassed in something else? Right. That comes forth in, your body language, mm -hmm. you know, how you look, um, how you talk, how you act, and you know, you know, as the old saying goes, um, you know, you can hear people smile over the phone. Mm -hmm. um, you can hear their enthusiasm. Let's say, right. and I guess I would say is is uh, one of the things that we we just always need to be, or maybe it's something that I remind myself more so than anything. So I'll just take you all out of it is um, taking stock of, you know, where your soul is right. every morning. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes your soul may be in a dark place. And, you know, that is the reality of the situation. Not all souls are, you know, encompassed in light. And there are some souls that are encompassed in darkness. Mm. Um, I would say that, and I'm going to give a lesson um, uh, later on this afternoon on understanding the time. Um, uh, Brother Sanford has asked me to speak on that spiritual encouragement hour. And one of, the, one of the things I was going to talk about is that children, um, the, the innocence of children, you know, children have a bad day, you know, and you can tell a child's having a bad day because they wear it on their sleeves. They're, you know, they're, they just, they, you can just tell a child is not, you know, having one of it. But you can also tell a child when they're having a good day. Mm -hmm. um, and we, we know that, uh, you know, children aren't born in sin uh, because sin is predicated, and I think brother people have mentioned this in our Wednesday Night Bible class, that, you know, in order for someone to be in sin, they need to know that they are sinning. Mm -hmm. Or rather, they need to know that there's something that they ought not to be doing. Um, you know, when Adam and Eve were in the garden, they were naked. They were born naked. Yes. They weren't, you know, born with clothes. And I mean, I guess I would say is that even Adam and Eve, who were born as fully formed adults, mm -hmm. did not know that they were in sin because that they were naked. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until they uh, ate of the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that it says that they were their eyes were opened to their shame. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, God, when he's walking through the, 
of the Garden of Eden, searching for his two children, his two creations, he found them hiding. Mm -hmm. And their response was, we hid from your presence because we were naked. And God's response was, well, who told you that you were naked? Right. You know, sin is not something that we are born with. It's a byproduct of the nurturing that we all get as we grow into adulthood. You know, our, our mother and our father, you know, teach us what is quote unquote good and evil. And because even though children are born into the same flesh that we as 40, 90, 60 year olds, we have that same flesh, right? In essence, children are born naked. Mm -hmm. when, when adults sin, they find themselves in their nakedness and they are ashamed. And, you know, as, as I'm getting to the point that the shame places that soul in darkness. Mm. You know, again, these children, they're, they're nurtured, they're, they come to know good and evil. And they also come to know that the flesh that they were born with is inclined, has an inclination towards evil and not good. Mm -hmm. um, every morning, uh, every day that we wake up, it's important to just take stock of where our soul is. And you know where your soul is if you have shame. Mm -hmm. If there's something that you're ashamed of, whether it's the previous day or at that moment, then you know that your soul is in darkness. You know that there is something that you have done based on your knowledge of good and evil mm -hmm. that uh, has put you in a place where there's a, there's a byproduct of shame. And that's what I'm going to talk about later on this evening is that this world um, has made it, uh, and I don't want to say, well, Satan has made it uh, his mission to make it so that you are comfortable with your shame. Mm -hmm. You know, shame and, you know, miserable, miserableness, um, you know, all of those things are much more easy to deal with when you're around a bunch of people who also share that shame mm -hmm. and miserableness. You know, it, it's much more difficult to be in fellowship with the righteous when you have shame on you, which is the reason why yeah. these pews are not as full as we would all like them to be. Mm -hmm. um, even fellow Christians don't like coming to worship, don't like being in the presence of those who are in the light, because their light exposes the shame that they deal with in darkness. Mm -hmm. Amen. And uh, again, that's, that's again the, the state of, of reality. But God, God in His glory, uh, sorry, God in His grace um, has given us this, this message, this book. Uh, he's given us this opportunity today to, to deal with that shame. Mm -hmm. um, to take our souls out of darkness and, and get it back into his marvelous light. Right. So I want to start off by um, talking about another adage, is that losers never win and cheaters never prosper. Mm -hmm. um, we, we know this to, you know, we've, we've been taught this, right? We've been nurtured to understand that losers never win and and winners, uh, cheaters never prosper. And you could flip that around and say, cheaters never win and, and losers never prosper. Uh, but we've been nurtured 
to, 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 to do, to, to know that. And, and what is the fundamental truth, I guess, in that nurturing or in that adage is that, you know, um, you know, that a winner can't be a loser at the same time. It just says a, a loser can't be a winner at the same time. You know, we, we say that cheaters never prosper, which, you know, the, the, the adage would lead you to believe that prosperous people don't cheat mm -hmm. and that cheaters will never prosper. Mm -hmm. But that's all befuddling. Um, at least in uh, the society that we live in today, right? There are there are people who cheat left and right, up and down, diagonally, uh, six days a week and even on Sunday. And we see the byproduct of their cheating. Um, we see that they drive the nice cars, they have the the big houses, they they've got you know the the honor and prestige of their peers. And so society would tell us that that adage is not true. Mm -hmm. That cheaters can prosper. And as a matter of fact, society would tell us that the only way to prosper is to cheat. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Society would also tell us that losers can be winners. That, you know, as a matter of fact, the only one, you're, you're silly. You're not smart. I'm using words that are dancing around maybe some other words. You know, that, you know, if you are winning, you're lame, right? If, if you're trying to be at the top, right? If you're, if you're trying to, let's say, uh, let me put it into biblical terms, right? If you are uh, trying to do the impossible or do the difficult or be at the head of the class or finish first across the line. It, there, there is no bent game. Here's what I mean by that, is that everybody gets a trophy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't matter if you, went, if you finish the race first, second, or third, everybody gets the same prize. Mm -hmm. Everybody j wins, or everybody gets the same prize just for showing up. I mean, that's what society has taught us, or at least that's what I see. Um, I see young kids who aren't striving for the mastery, which is an ode to the, uh, the scripture reading that we're about to, uh, about to delve into. Um, the fact of the matter is, as, as Paul wrote here in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, <clears throat> um, it says in Hebrew, that's a Hebrews, Ephesians, sorry, the uh, fourth chapter, um, and there, there's a lot to, to read here, and I'll start at verse number one, I'll, I'll kind of jump around the fourth chapter. Um, in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, in verse number one, he, Paul says, I therefore, the prison of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Mm -hmm. And you know, this, this charge that Paul gave to, to all of us, or certainly this charge was given to Paul first by Christ, who was given it to, 
And we know certainly this charge was given to Christ by God. Mm -hmm. And I say that in, in the friend that Jesus, when he came to this earth, um, or Jesus, when he met Saul on the road to Damascus, it says in the first chapter of the book of Galatians that Paul did not receive the gospel of Jesus Christ from any other man, but he received it directly from Jesus Christ. It said that he went into Arabia first, mm -hmm. and he received the gospel of Jesus Christ. These very same words that he wrote here in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, from Christ. Mm -hmm. Now, where did Christ get it from? Mm -hmm. Christ, going back in, uh, I believe it's in uh, the book of John, he said that he didn't come to deliver his message, but the message of his Father who sent him. God gave his message to Christ, who came to this earth. Christ gave his message to the apostles, mm -hmm. and the apostles disseminated it from there. Mm -hmm. Now, the Apostle Paul, again, tells us in Ephesians 4, chapter and verse number 1, that we should walk worthy of the vocation wherewith each and every one of us are called. Mm -hmm. Now, this is uh, even more relevant, you know, when we look at uh, uh, what <clears throat> Paul told uh, those in the book of, well, he tells all of us, but as he wrote this letter to the, the book, sorry, to the Romans, in uh, Romans, the... Uh, eighth chapter, and, and there's just so many verses here that uh, I could touch on, but in Romans, the eighth chapter, <clears throat> actually, let's look at Romans, the sixth chapter. It says uh, in Romans, the sixth chapter, that uh, in verse number 16, it says, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey his servants, ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were serve, that ye were the servants of sin, but that ye obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. Mm -hmm. You know, we are we have been called to be servants of righteousness, and thus we must walk worthy of that vocation. Have you ever been fired? Have you ever been terminated? Has, has, your, has an employer come up to you and said, you have not met the standard specifications of said job? Mm -hmm. I've been there. Mm -hmm. And every single time I've had to own up to that. Because it's unlawful for someone to be fired. Well, it's, it's against the law, let's say, to be fired or let go unlawfully. Now, in California, um, this is a... What do they call that? It's a not a right to work. That's in Texas, um, but it's a it's basically any employer in the city of California can fire you with cause. Mm -hmm. There has to be a cause, right? So they lay out, okay, you haven't been doing X, Y, and Z. This is this is you know what we've noticed. Da 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 da. da. Right? They can't fire you just because you're black. They can't fire you just because you're a female. They can't fire you just because you have a disability. There has to be a, a, a lack of, of a performance of those things that are written in the job description. Mm -hmm. And what Paul is telling Christians in the church of Ephesus is that we have to comply 
with the standard specifications and the job description of being a Christian. Mm -hmm. We have to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith we are called. We are called to be servants of righteousness. Mm -hmm. And so if you skip forward in verse number 11, <clears throat> Paul continuing this thought, he says, and he gave some apostles. He gave some the job or the vocation of an apostle. Mm -hmm. He gave some the job of prophets. Mm -hmm. Again, this is Ephesians the fourth chapter and verse number 11. Mm -hmm. And then it says that he gave some the job or the vocation of evangelists. Mm -hmm. And he gave some the job of pastors mm -hmm. and some of teachers. Mm -hmm. And why is it important that we walk worthy of this vocation? It's not just simply, you know, self-preservation on our part, right? You know, we want to be worthy of our hire. We want to be able to receive, uh, the, uh, you know, the wages uh, of the jobs that we perform. But it also says in verse number 12 that if we fail to walk worthy of, of the vocation, the ramifications of that is that the body of Christ is not edified. Exactly. None of us get what we need. Some of us or all of us will fall short. Mm -hmm. It's not just that I'm harming myself by not work, walking worthy of the vocation. I'm also harming everybody in this congregation. Right. I was talking to uh, my lovely wife last night, um, and I'm not going to share with you the details, but I told her, I am so sorry that you are a woman. I, I told her, I said, I tell you what, women, you you have, you are challenged. I, 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 <laughs> I thank God every day that I'm not a woman, and I, and I don't say that um, in, in, in a way that's debasing the women. Just, just understand what I'm saying here. Is a woman um, deals with so many um, things. I mean, the, I, I'm not a man, so I, I don't, I can't appreciate the mindset, but I'm just going to delve in here. Trust me, I, I have in the utmost respect for women. That, you have to you, for, you guys know me, so I'm, I'm not a chauvinist by any uh, stretch of the imagination. I just want to highlight something here. Um, you know, the, the, the scripture says that men are to handle women as if they are the weaker vessel. And not weaker, but they're pristine. They're, they're not fragile in the sense that they're easily broken, but they're fragile in the sense that they are so in tune with emotions. And it's like, it's like, okay, fine. You know, if, if you want to say men are AM radio, women are FM radio. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's all radio. It's just they are tuned to different frequencies or different modulations, if you will. Uh, and I was, you know, I was talking to, to Sister Garner and, and um, you know, just all the things that, I mean, have you seen, a, a, you've maybe seen your spouse get ready to leave the house, right? I mean, I don't do all the things that my wife does to leave the house. I mean, I just, and I'm going. I mean, look at what I'm wearing right now. I mean, 
my, my shirt is wrinkled, my pants are wrinkled, and I don't have a care in the world when anybody thinks about, I came into worship with uh, a stain on my tie. And I was inclined to come up here in the pulpit with this stain on my tie, but I knew that if I did, I'd hear it from my wife because she's modulated differently than I am. And I would say that my wife would also say that all glory be to God that she's not a man. Mm-hmm. All glory be to God that she's not a man that, you know, that, and has to carry some of the responsibilities that uh, a Christian man has to carry. Mm-hmm. That's not, the, not that she cares, that she doesn't carry responsibilities, but there are other expressly written responsibilities. The point I'm trying to make here, brothers and sisters in Christ, is that along with the vocation of, you know, evangelists, pastors, um, apostles, uh, teachers? If you go and you look at what Paul um, wrote to Timothy in First Timothy, mm-hmm. there are other vocations that are equally as important. <clears throat> and uh, uh, let's see here. Let me see if I will get lucky here and, and flip right to it. Um, I want to say that's in 2 Timothy. It may be in Titus. I I get Titus and Timothy mixed up at times. Um, It is 1 Timothy. Apologize. It's in the gospel, and, and for whatever reason, I, I did not mark it, but I can't find it. But we do know that the scripture tells the aged men to do what? And it also tells the aged women that they have a vocation. The point being is that, and did you find that there? Titus, Titus 2. Titus 2. There it is. So let's, let's turn to Titus, the second chapter. In Titus, the second chapter, and Brother Marzit, since you found it, I'll give you the credit if you want to go ahead and read that. Beginning at verse 1. Yeah. Yes, sir. But speak thou the things which become sound. Let me start again. But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in the faith, and, no, sound in the faith, and charity, and patience. The aged women likewise, that they may be in behavior as becoming homeless, not false accusers, not giving them much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at the home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Thank you, brother. So going back to... Um, well, isn't that yet a vocation? It is a vocation. 
I just, we just got through talking about the nurturing of children. How does a child know to do good if their flesh is inclined to evil? Let me, let me just put it to you this way. A child, if they are not taught how to live good, righteous lives, will always default to living a life of unrighteousness and evil when they are an adult. How do, how do we know that? Because the same flesh that they, uh, that they have when they were born into this world is the same flesh that we have as an adult. The scripture tells us that our flesh is set upon evil and sin. So if we don't do our job, if we don't walk worthy of the vocation of being a good mentor to the young people, then what will happen to them? It's not that they're going to learn good stuff by osmosis. We have to nurture that, which is the reason why I disagree with maybe the common, the common uh, misconceptions of society today that one is born a particular way um, when I will tell you that, yes, you are born with flesh. Mm -hmm. Yes, and that flesh is, is set upon hell. Mm -hmm. is set upon sin, just as your tongue is set upon the, uh, the depths of hell, mm -hmm. as it says in the book of James. My, the point is, is that you don't know what good and evil is until you know what good and evil is. If I can use a Yogi Berra saying. So if you look at what it says in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, it says that God gave some, all of these locations, in verse number 12 of Ephesians, the fourth chapter, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God mm -hmm. unto a perfect man, mm -hmm. unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Mm -hmm. You know, well, what, what is it saying here? Well, it says that we have to continue to walk worthy until all of us, every single soul in this building mm -hmm. and on the prayer line is able to what? And so we're all unified in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God until we have attained perfection, until we have grown to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. How long does that take? I don't know how long that takes. I don't, but we do know the fullness of Christ. We do know of the, the stature of Christ. We do know that Christ manifested the fullness of himself by doing what? By faithfully going to the cross and dying on that cross for the sins of the entire world. For people who he didn't know, for enemies of his father, mm -hmm. he did that. I mean, what did he say? Jesus said, no man, no greater love than a man show than this, than he laid down his life for his friends. You know, the reason why we have to walk worthy and continue to walk worthy of the vocation. There is no retiring 
from said vocations that God has called us to, right? Because there's always work to do. There's always folks who need to continue to grow or need to be mentored in their growth. So they become, as it says in verse number 13, full, full and complete and measure up to the stature of the fullness of Christ. So, um, well, what about the scripture reading? Mm-hmm. Um, the scripture reading is uh, 1 Timothy, the second chapter. Yeah, second chapter. Yes, or 2 Timothy, the second chapter. My apologies. In 2 Timothy, the second chapter, uh, starting at, and, and I, I want to thank Brother People for mentioning this. Timothy was Paul's protege. Now, that is not to say that Paul was the master. Mm-hmm. It was just that both of them were servants of Christ, mm-hmm. except Paul's vocation was different mm-hmm. than Timothy's vocation. Mm-hmm. Okay, Tim, Paul's vocation was that of an apostle. Mm-hmm. Timothy's vocation was that of an evangelist. Mm-hmm. You know, they were you know the same radio different modulations. Mm -hmm. And so what Paul tells Timothy, he says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall also be able, who shall be able to teach others also. Okay, go back to what we just read in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, mm-hmm. right? We saw the vocation of an apostle. Mm-hmm. We saw the vocation of an evangelist, and we also saw the vocation of a teacher. Right. You see how this works here is that Paul is walking worthy of his vocation as an apostle because his job description is to equip evangelists mm-hmm. to go out and spread the gospel. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And these evangelists, their job description is to equip faithful men yes. to teach mm-hmm. others. Mm-hmm. We, we can, you know, you can go back and you can look at it, uh, at what uh, Paul told Titus. Mm-hmm. He told Titus to, what does he say, go into uh, every city and ordain elders as I had appointed thee. You know what the means or being appointed? That means that Paul told Titus that your job description is to go out there and do what? Mm-hmm. It says ordain elders in every city. That was Titus's specific vocation. Mm-hmm. Was not to do what Timothy did, but to come behind Timothy and ordain elders in every city as Paul as an apostle had appointed him. Mm-hmm. Again, we, we look here at what, uh, uh, going back to 2 Timothy, the second chapter, he says, um, again, um, be strong in the grace, mm-hmm. um, do all the things that you heard uh, among many witnesses, the same things you need to commit to others. Mm-hmm. In verse number three, this is this is uh, where I want to 
conclude on. It says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And if you wanted to, you know, add a title to this lesson, um, you know, I, I would say that the title of this lesson is Staying True to Your Vocation. Um, it, it's not enough to just walk worthy, but we have to stay true to that vocation for the reasons that I just mentioned. There is always work to be done. There are always going to be souls that need to be edified. You know, there's always growth that needs to be obtained. Look around this building right now. Would, would we? Are there babes in Christ in the building? Yes. Are there young women here in the building? Yes. Then all of you are older than them. You have a job to what? To continue to teach them how to, as, as we just read in Titus, the second chapter, how to be chaste and discreet, how to be lovers of their husbands and, and lovers of their children, how to keep their homes. And then what happens when, when, when the older women pass away and the younger women become the new older women? Well, inevitably, what will happen? There will be younger women in their presence. There will always be work to do. But we have to stay true to our vocation. And Paul tells uh, Timothy, he says, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. um, brother, I can't, I don't know if it was brother or sister Marzette, they sent me a text, they said, um, they asked me a question, well, uh, you remember the lesson about goodness? And, you know, Jesus said, you know, when he was presented, uh, you know, he was, he was called good. And Jesus responded that there's no good, no good man except my father. None is good except my father, which is in heaven. I'm paraphrasing. And, you know, that lesson is a, a, was, a, was a good lesson because it highlights again that God is the penultimate of goodness. We are just reflecting God's goodness. None of us are good except for the goodness that we have received from Jesus Christ. Right. Okay, let me put it to you this way. All of us are bad or evil. All of us are losers. All of us are cheaters. But what makes us winners what makes us prosperous is not something that we could ever do or obtain. It's because God has given it to us mm -hmm. through his gospel, through the gospel of his son, who came to this earth and gave it to some apostles, mm -hmm. who gave the message to evangelists, mm -hmm. who gave the message to teachers, mm -hmm. teachers who gave the message to, to pastors, pastors or elders, who lead various flocks mm -hmm. of the congregations of the Church of Christ. God chose the foolishness of preaching, mouth to ear, right, communication, to transfer his message from person to person, from man to man, woman to woman, city to city. Mm -hmm. What he says here in verse number 4, uh, 1 Timothy 2nd chapter, he says, no man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you, um, this is what I struggle with. 
There was a, a brother who came, who preached here probably 10, 12 years ago. Um, young man, he had like three young kids. And he was a, a minister full time. Mm -hmm. That He accepted his vocation entirely. Beautiful thing. And, and I remember asking him in the back, where did you get the courage to do that? And he just said one day he woke up and he jumped in with both feet. Mm. I mean, what I got from that is that he's, there was fear and anxiety and doubt. But what he did was is he just bought in 100%. You know, the scripture is not saying that a good soldier of Jesus Christ has to be void of fear and apprehension and doubt. But what it says here is that that a good soldier has to endure hardness. Mm -hmm. That even in spite of that fear, even in spite of that doubt, even in spite of the fact that the life that this soldier is committing themselves to is not going to be as comfortable as the, the life that he is leaving. What does it say? It says that he endures as a good soldier and no man that fights or wars entangles himself with the affairs of this life. How does one disconnect themselves from the life that they have to live as, as, as a result of being a human being, a living human being? Well, Paul gives us some insight on that. He says, um, <clears throat> he says again, no man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who had chosen him to be a soldier. Mm -hmm. You know, th this is where I, I get this, you know, cheaters never prosper and losers never win. It says, and if a man also strive for masteries, yet he is he not crowned except he strive lawfully. You know what this is saying is that even if you finish first, if you cheated to finish first, then you're not going to receive the crown. Mm -hmm. We all know this, right? Lance, Lance Armstrong, I think it's Lance Armstrong, right? He won how many Tour de France's? Right? He won it, but did he strive lawfully? He did not. What did they do? They took all of those trophies away from him. You think about people who go to the Olympics and win gold medals. You think about, you know, uh, universities who allow, or schools of that matter, who allow or ineligible kids to play on the team. They win the championship, and then when the authorities find out that they cheated, what happens? They have to vacate those championships. They have to vacate those wins. We do that here in the world every single day of the week because we want a level playing field. We want things to be above board. We want justice and fairness. And we strive for that, even in our entertainment, in our athletic endeavors. So it should be easy for us to understand what Paul is saying here to Timothy. He's saying, if you're going to strive to win this race, mm -hmm. if you're going to strive to, to walk worthy of the vocation, if you're going to strive to fulfill your obligations as a good soldier of Jesus Christ, you can't cheat. You cannot cheat. How do we cheat, brothers, sisters in Christ? Well, this is how we cheat. Mm. 
When I go home today, I have a choice to cheat. Or I can take off this uniform, this spiritual uniform that I'm wearing before you right now as a... Okay, let me, let me hit the... Maybe make it more relevant. God has chosen you to be a servant of righteousness. Paul tells us you know, in, in the book of Romans that the one that strives for the mastery, what does he do? He doesn't walk, you know, you know, you know, just haphazardly. What he he runs as one who wants to win the prize. He what if you read on the verse, he says he 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 brings his body under subjection. We have a vocation. But when you leave this building, are you going to take off you know, your work clothes and put on some other work clothes? We, we have two masters that we can serve at any given time. We can make the choice. We can serve mammon or we can serve God. We can serve unrighteousness or we can serve, we can serve the flesh. Or we can walk after the Spirit. We have a choice to make. So are you going to cheat when you get home Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday? Are you going to cheat and take off your, your work clothes? Or are you going to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ? You can cheat. You can cheat on your diet. You can cheat on your workout regimen. I can cheat right now. You know, the words that are coming out of my mouth, if I'm not living these words, then I'm cheating. You know, I'm, I'm not striving for the mastery, and because God knows my heart, he can see all of us. You know, it's a, the scripture tells us that all things that we do in the body, whether they good or, or be bad, are called, into, are called into judgment. That is the reason why Christ, when he said to those who have uh, served the homeless, cast out demons, as he says, Jesus said that, what will he say? Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity, for I never knew you. And why would he say that? in spite of all the things that presumably they have done that are good. It's because they cheated. Again, it says in verse number five, and if a man also strive for the masteries, yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully. It says in verse number seven, consider what I say and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. Remember that Jesus Christ, the son of David, was raised from the dead according to my gospel, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Mm -hmm. This just wraps up what I was talking about. If you are cheating, if you don't endure sound, uh, endure hardness, if you don't walk worthy of the vocation, what did Paul say? He said that 
He did all these things. He endured all things for whose sake? Not for his sake, but for the elect's sake. It says that they may also attain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus. And I'll skip over to 2 Timothy, the fourth chapter. Verse number one, Paul told Timothy, you know, who was given the vocation of an evangelist. He says, I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who, uh, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Mm -hmm. Preach the word. Mm -hmm. Now this is Paul specifically talking to an evangelist. Mm -hmm. This was his vocation. He told him, preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season, when it is convenient and when it is not convenient. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heed to themselves teachers, having itching ears. Again, what is Paul telling Timothy? He says, You got to do this work. Because if you don't do the work, Satan will do this. If you don't fill the void, Satan and his evil uh, false teachers will fill that void. If you aren't out there as an evangelist, what? Committing the same word that I've received to faithful men so that they can teach others also. What will happen? Paul told Timothy that the time will come mm -hmm. when they will not endure some doctrine. Right. But what will they do? They will heap to themselves teachers because they have itching ears. They want something, you know, exciting and exotic and appealing to the flesh. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If we don't do our jobs, we leave a void. Somebody's going to fill that void. Yes. How many how many members of the Church of Christ are there in the world? Is the Church of Christ the fastest growing religious body in the world? What is? I don't know what it is. I mean, you could. Well, brother, people pointed to the. Uh, okay, it was a hundred and eight degrees a couple Sundays ago. How many of us passed the Catholic building? Mm -hmm. How many of them were standing contently mm -hmm. out in the heat? A whole bunch. Yes. We've got a nice air-conditioned building. Thank you, Brother Marzette, for turning down the, the, the thermostat. Mm -hmm. But we've got a nice air-conditioned building. Nobody has to wait outside. There's people waiting outside. Well, why are they waiting outside? It could be a number of reasons, mm -hmm. including a void has been created mm -hmm. because those who have the vocation to teach, mm -hmm. those who have the vocation to evangelize, have allowed that void to exist. Mm -hmm. Such that, as Paul told Timothy, the time that he's talking about now is present, mm -hmm. where people just want to endure sound doctrine. Mm -hmm. 
but will heap. You know what heap means? Think about a heap of something. A heap of dirty clothes, a heap of leaves, a heap of dirt. It's not just a little bit, it's a lot. Will heap unto themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But, as it says in verse number five, mm -hmm. but watch thou in all things, mm -hmm. endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. Mm -hmm. Get out there and work. That's what Paul is telling Timothy. Get out there and work. And yes, there is going to be afflictions, but get out there and work. Make full proof of your vocation as an evangelist. He goes on to say in verse number six, for I'm now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course as an apostle. It is not just that Paul was getting old. It's that Paul knew that he had done a good, he had done his job of establishing young men as evangelists mm -hmm. who were going out there and spreading the gospel wherever it could be heard. He told Titus to follow behind Timothy as you're establishing congregations and committing the word to faithful men who can teach. Go back behind Timothy and ordain elders in every city. He knew that the role of the apostleship was coming to an end. He says again, I have kept the faith, I finished my course, henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, but not and, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love is apparent. When the boss comes and the boss says, okay, Thomas, step into my office. We need to do your performance evaluation. If I've been doing my job to my utmost ability, I can walk into that conversation without fear or apprehension. Because I've done my job. But what if you haven't done your job. And the Lord appears to evaluate your vocation, the work that you have done. You know what? Love casts, perfect love casts without fear. So if you fear the second coming of Jesus Christ, then there's a problem. And one of those problems may be that you are not you haven't fulfilled your obligation. You haven't fought a good fight and you haven't kept the faith. You know, there are a lot of people who are not going to make it in the body of Christ. And you would say, well, if they have obtained salvation through baptism, how is it that they won't be able to redeem that or lay hold actually lay hold to that salvation when they die. If, you know, the scripture says that few there be that find it. Even in the body, there are those who won't make it. 
Well, the reason why those in the body that won't make it is because of what we just see right here. They're either cheating, they're not enduring, you know, hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ and thus entangling themselves with the affairs of his life, or they are simply, or they have simply fallen back into a life of sin. So the message is yours this morning. Um, why has God allowed you to be here this morning, right here and right now? There's a purpose for everything. Um, there's a purpose for you being here. There's a purpose um, for everything. For every for every time, there's a purpose under the sun, as Solomon wrote in the book of Ecclesiastes. And so, at this time, uh, if you are here this morning or on the prayer line, and you have not been walking worthy of your vocation, and again, you may say, well, I don't have a vocation. Well, yeah, you do. For the re we just just got the reading. You know, the, the, the older men have an obligation to the younger men. The, the older women have an obligation to the, to the younger women. If you are a mother or a father, you also have a job. The scripture tells us about the roles of mothers and fathers to their children. Well, you may say, well, I'm a young woman and I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a wife. I'm not a mother. Well, what's my vocation? Well, your vocation is to be an obedient child. Because what does the scripture tell us about children? The scripture tells us that children are supposed to obey their, their mother and their father. What does it also say? It says that it is pleasing unto God for children to do that. We all have a vocation. We all have a job. You may not officially have a job, let's say, in the congregation, but you have a job nonetheless. Amen. I was on the um, spiritual encouragement hour, and a brother mentioned, uh, actually, it wasn't, it was on Wednesday night Bible class, and I think brother people had mentioned Mark, the 16th chapter, about our obligation to go out and to preach and to teach and to baptize in, in all nations. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, right? My point being is if you are here this morning and you are failing in some way, shape, or form in your vocation, if you're failing in your vocation to be a servant of righteousness, you can get that right this morning. Mm -hmm. You can go from being a soul that is in darkness to a soul that is in the light. Um, if you are in the light, if your soul is in the light, it doesn't matter what goes on in your physical life, you always have that joy. The scripture tells us that. I'm, 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 this is an original thought from Thomas Garner, but the scripture tells us that. Scripture tells us that if we are in the light, as Jesus is in the light, we get all of the spiritual things that come with being in the light, right. including joy, peace, mm -hmm. understanding, mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. How do I know if my soul is in darkness? Is if you're lacking those things in your life right now. Okay. Good point. 
if you're confused, you don't know where to go, you don't know what to do, you're lacking understanding. Mm -hmm. If you're not, if you're feeling just, you know, a deep depression mm -hmm. about life, about things in general, then you're lacking joy. Mm -hmm. If there's turmoil going on in your mind right now, then you're lacking peace. And if you are in the light, as Christ is in the light, then why would you have any of those things? If the scripture tells us that if you're in the light, you have joy, peace, and understanding. And I'm not saying this to you all, I'm saying this to me. As I told you before, it maybe not in the morning because I'm usually running late to something, but when I have moments where I slow down and I can reflect, these are the things that I ask myself. It's like, why, why aren't I, and not just happy, but where is that joy? For other people have talked about that. You know, didn't you also talk about the work of a Christian, the work of the church, and you know how that has an, an impact on how people view our joy, mm -hmm. right? Brother people, myself, none of us in here are super smart, wise individuals. We are we are dunces. We are um, we are beyond dumb relative to the the majesty, the wisdom of the Word of God. So these aren't original thoughts, right? We didn't think of these just out of happenstance. It came from the Word of God. Man. So I just want to say that. But if those things are a part of your life today, then you need to be honest with yourself mm -hmm. relative to the Word of God and just think, I'm, why am I feeling this way? And not even just why, but if I'm feeling this way, then there has to be some misalignment with what I'm doing and with what God would have me to do. Mm -hmm. Because if I was doing what God would have me to do, then I wouldn't have a lack of understanding, I wouldn't have a lack of joy, and I wouldn't have a lack of peace in my life. Well, the scripture or rather the purpose of today is an opportunity to get that right, to go about the process of recalibration. And you can start today by acknowledging that. Not, and, and not just, I, I don't, you don't even have to acknowledge to anybody here in this room verbally. That's not the important thing. The important thing is acknowledging it to yourself and just saying, you know what, yep, I'm misaligned. I'm not aligned with the ways of God because I know what's going on with me right now. And you can get that right. You can start that process. We, those of us who are aligned with God will pray on your behalf that God will work, continue to work with you, that God will move you through His Spirit to get back in alignment with God. You know, for those of us who are Christians, we know what that process of alignment is called. It's called the process of repentance. Repentance is the process. The destination is alignment and forgiveness. 
if you're not a member of the body of Christ, just understand that you will you can never be aligned with God. Except you hear the gospel, except you believe of that gospel that you've heard.